0: It's David James Young here, back for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. I'm in Newcastle yet again, but I'm not wandering through uh, the beer garden of the Lass O'Garry as was what I was doing last time I was doing a Newcastle introduction. Uh, I am at the home of previous guest, friend of the show, Mr. Jack Lundy. Back in the hood, brother. Yeah, man. How are you, how are you dude? A bit dusty again, yeah. but um, you know we just finished recording
1: guitars for the Adeline Pines record, so that's plug
0: that shit. That's plug pretty fucking that cool. Son.
1: And apparently, I've got a chest infection. Ouch! It may that's... have something to do with covering an in excess song for some something coming out soon.
0: Oh right. Well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you don't end up with the the same uh, problems as Mr. Michael Hutchins. Yeah. No. Yeah, you, you haven't booked any hotel rooms or something. Well, I'm not into, into auto-erotic exposition, yeah. so it's, <laughs> I think that, that covers it there, does just tear down the facade. <laughs> Let's just tear that shit down. Fuck, I love it. Um, well, you could never tear us apart. Down, 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 down. Fucking hell. There's a bunch of fucking cool shit happening over the Labor Day long week, and... And uh, I would just like to give a quick shout-out to some of my friends that are doing some awesome shit. So, shout-out to Rachel Maria Cox and SM, who have a huge long weekend ahead of them. They are doing uh, the last uh, show on the Sad Girls Club tour on Saturday night at Blackwire Records. And then, on Sunday and Monday, it's Sad Girls Fest which is a massive, massive, massive lineup, up All kick-ass people doing kick-ass things. So get down there and check that shit out. You've got nothing to lose. You might even find yourself a new favourite. We've had Rachel and SM on the show before, and they are awesome. Uh, Jack, I'm sure... We've played with Rachel, and I'm, I'm sure you yeah. know SM. You can, you can vouch for, for them being... Fucking cool people doing cool things.
1: The greatest. I'm, SM has the comfiest spare bedroom I've ever slept in. There you go. It's a bloody hotel.
0: <laughs> and how do, you, how do
1: you rate SM's dog? Oh, 10 wolves out of
0: 10. 10 wolves out yeah, of 10. Yeah.
1: Somewhere around
0: that. That's a good approval rating. I mean,
1: all dogs in general are going to be 10 wolves out of 10. Wolves.
0: It's true. It takes a lot for for a dog to get below that. This dog gets my lowest rating ever Seven whoops
1: (laughs) (laughs) Harsh judges
0: I know right It's just like oh damn
1: I'm the only people that could give that kind of judgment Are those dog show judges
0: Oh right yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) Absolute pricks Yeah man Over at Newtown Social Club are the fucking amazing Yes, I'm Leaving and White Dog, two of my favourite very noisy punk-oriented bands in Sydney. They are playing with the fucking meanies, which is very cool. Uh, That's at Newtown Social Club. It's part of the Rolling Stone Live Lodge dealio. And that should be pretty fucking awesome. So, shout out to those guys. Uh, Hell, if you're listening to this the day it comes out... And you happen to be in God's country. You happen to be in Newcastle. Then Tant Christ are playing tonight uh, at the Hamilton Station, and that is with Tide Minds, and that's with Dog Act, and that is with Suburban Haze. You know all those guys, I'm sure you've yeah. you've, you've, you've traversed the the, the many uh, familiar realms. Uh, yeah,
1: the Suburban Haze guys. Is Alex still in the band? I believe so? Don't quote me
0: on it. He me used to drum for us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Many Adaline, moons Adaline ago. Adeline Pines. Adeline Pines. Pines' new album coming out in 2016. <laughs> We're Chester also playing tonight, too. Oh, shit. So where are you guys? The Last. Who are you playing with? Um, give me a second. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let, let me find that one out for you. <laughs> uh, the Dusky Lanes uh-huh. and Shamey from Perth.
0: There you go. So are you, you guys headlining? Apparently. Shit. Well, there you go. Alright, well, sport for choice, people. Get out there and make it fucking happen in Newcastle. Also on uh, Monday afternoon, uh, there's going to be a nice little uh, post-weekend get-together. A chance for everyone to lie down in the park, have a nice little picnic, and have a bit of fun with some friends of the show. We've got Jess Locke. We've got Hannah Band doing one of their street punk acoustic sets. We've got Mr. Isaac Graham... And we've got Mr. Dave Drayton, a.k.a. Zounds. And it is going to be bliss. That's going to be in Odea Reserve in Camperdown. If you know us, like any of us personally, uh, then hit us up for further details. But we'll probably be convening about 1 o'clock. It'll be weather like this. It'll be nice. It'll be fun. Come down. What else do you got to do? It'll be sweet. We can just... Have some lunch and whisk the afternoon away. It will be lovely. I'm very much looking forward to that. It will be grand. It will be a great way to top off the weekend. Uh, Also, uh, the day after that, though, uh, my boys in, apart from this, and my boys in Raccoon City Police Department... Uh, they are on tour with Trophy Eyes, and they are going to be playing at the Wollongong Uni Bar. Uh, and they're doing a bunch of shows all around the place, so get along to check out those guys. Big, big, big fan of Apart From This, so much so that they are going to be the guests on the podcast next week. Ba-dam. Hey! There you go. So, now you know Tim and Rathead from Apart From This. I had a little chat with me, and it was so much fun. Those guys are absolute fucking legends. So, yeah, very excited to share that with you, and looking forward to seeing those guys and motherfucking Rack City once again. But for now, we've got another chat to get to. This is with Christopher Cowburn. It is with an absolute legend. Uh, The drummer and backing vocalist and one of the founding members of the Smith Street Band. And also one half of Jackknife Music alongside the beautiful legendary Bosma. And uh, those guys are responsible for distributing some pretty awesome stuff. But they are also helping to bring out the hotelier to Australia uh, this coming December with Sirius. That will be a huge show. We talk about that. ...toward the end of the episode. But Jack, you've played with uh, Smith Street Band at some point,
1: I believe. And apart from this, I believe. And apart from this. And I think Raccoon City Police Department in Caverns. God damn And maybe. I might be imagining God damn, that you've hunt.
0: done it all. Well, talk us, talk, tell us about the time you played with Smith Street.
1: Um, it was the... It was actually the tour that spawned the Don't Fuck With Our Dreams thing. It was uh, the... Oh, yes. The um, tour. Yeah, the Byron Bay incident. Um happened, like, a few days before the show we played with them on the Friday night. So, the bennies weren't there, yeah. No, they weren't. Yeah. But, uh, it was Bomb the Music Industry and Smith Street Band and us. Yeah. It was a sold-out show. That was the first time we ever played a sold-out crowd, I think. It
0: was... Intimidating, it was, right? Yeah.
1: And there was, there was kids from high school there that I knew, and it was... It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird. Good show, though. Oh, it was beautiful. It was just... Bomb the Music Industry were on point. I just... Okay, every. Now. Every person, like, I think I saw them three times on that tour, because I went down to Melbourne. Oh, nice. because um, it was before I started uni. All right. right. And just got a little weird down there with them. Nice. But yeah, like, Smith Street killed it, the Bond the music industry were just insane, and it's such a shame that they are broken up now, but...
0: Yeah. But we still have the spirit of Bond the music industry following Oh, we around. still do. The, the Jeff Rosenstock album's fucking <sighs> awesome. It's so, so great. Love that guy. There's there's that part with um,
1: Gibbons in it, isn't there? Oh, yeah, that's right. That little spoken thing. He's talking about getting to the airport the next day. Yeah,
0: that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Gibbons' guest vocals. That's fucking hilarious. I I lost my shit when I heard that for the first time. So fucking funny. Uh, uh, Heads up, there are a couple of uh, little weird uh, audio things that happen uh, in this episode. There is, I believe... uh, uh, a machine, like a cleaning machine that goes on and off in the back, Like, in the distant background. But we'll be talking pretty clearly for a while. And then you'll just hear... Like that. It's, it's barely noticeable. But you'll pick it up now that I've mentioned it. Uh, also, toward the end of the episode, uh, Steve from the Sidekicks is walking up and down in front of the side room that we are at, and he's he's yelping out and doing his vocal warm-ups, oh, <laughs> which is quite funny, because we had no idea what the fuck was going on until we finished the episode and popped our heads around and were just like, what the fuck's going on out here? So you just hear... Ah! Oh, oh, oh. Like shit like that So you will definitely notice that But if you're the kind of person to complain about that shit Fuck off It's a free podcast <laughs> Fuck off it's free That's the It's the motto It's the fucking motto Alright we've gasbagged bagged for too bloody long Let's have a chat with Chris Calburn Jack Thanks for hanging out dude Thanks dude Always a pleasure You <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friend Christopher
2: Calver. Hi mate. How are you doing man? I'm very well, thank you, sort of. That's a real lie.
0: <laughs> it's it's those formalities, isn't it? You've got to kind of be like, yeah, yeah, good thanks. Oh no, Ooh. I'm dying inside.
2: <laughs> yeah, we just had the Poison City weekend, Oh yeah. Well, a couple of days ago, but I'm still recovering. <laughs> the Weekender to end all Weekenders. Yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> probably probably not the wisest business decision to go on a national tour just after weekend. Yeah,
2: well, like, it, it wasn't even that. It was uh, get home from European tour. Oh, that too. Have, have two days break or something, mm-hmm. have Weekender, and then go on a national tour. So it was even stupider. <laughs> but here we are. It's all good. You get through it. If there's one thing I admire
0: about this mystery band, it is perseverance.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's one of our better traits. So we we don't have a lot of good traits, but, uh, but perseverance is one that's pretty easy. What more do you need? <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: It is uh, Wednesday night. We are here uh, backstage at the Manning Bar at Sydney Uni, where this Mystery Band are kicking off another run of dates back once again bringing out uh, some wonderful international friends with them in Andrew Jackson Jihad mm-hmm. and the Sugar Canes and the Sidekicks it's an excellent mixed bill, which you want you know it's the yeah. brightest spice alive.
2: life yeah it was kind of the vibe uh, going into this like We've wanted to bring AJJ out for a long time, sure, yeah. um, and obviously they took us to America to tour, and yeah, we, yeah. we supported them. So, uh, well, actually, we've wanted to bring both bands, AJJ and the Sidekicks, out for a long time, and yeah. they're pretty, like, while I think they run in the same circles, uh, if you like, they're sort of pretty different-sounding bands. AJJ, way more folky, yeah. and uh, yeah, folk punk, or whatever you mm. want to call it, and Sidekicks are very heavily indie rock. Yeah, player. yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. I think it's great to have that. And then, like, obviously, putting the Sugar Canes on to open kind of came about because we were releasing the song with Lucy, which yeah, we will sure. talk about at some point. Yeah, so then to have, like, oh, we can put, like, a soul band on to open, which mm. is, like, something we would never normally do. Mm. And they're awesome, and that's great. So, yeah, it's the first show that the Sugar Canes are playing tonight with us So on this tour. So... It's going to be fun. Very exciting times, yeah, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: It was weekend, uh, I believe, about two years ago that we met for the first time. Obviously, yeah. I'd seen you guys a bunch uh, up to and including that point but i think yeah that that weekend uh was the first time that i properly got to you know know the rest of you apart from will yeah you've got
2: a better memory than me because uh (laughs) i I heard you say that or i I guess i know that that, that's the premise of this podcast is that you you know you first talk about when you (laughs) met and i thought holy shit when did we meet because you're one of those figures that i feel like i knew you before i knew you anyway you're a (laughs) You're a larger-than-life character.
0: I'll take it. And uh, I,
2: <laughs> I feel like I, I knew you from, like, probably the first time you came to a show anyway, but maybe Weekend, who Which knows? Which was,
0: ironically, the very first show that I saw, on of the Streets, I talked about this on the podcast with Will, it was mm-hmm. in this very room. Was it really? It was. You guys yeah, were right. opening for Frank Turner.
2: Ah, oh, right. 2012. and twelve. Twelve. yeah. Yeah,
0: I think it was May 2012. Yep. Yeah, and that's
2: right. You got it was with... William Elliott Whitmore and yep. Jen Buxton. Jen Buxton played, yeah. Phenomenal lineup, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that tour was awesome. That was kind of uh, for us, like, the start of touring non-stop if you like. Yeah. We, we did that, but right before it was when we'd done the first tour with Jeff uh, Rosenstock yeah. Yeah, as part of the music industry. Yeah. Like, when it was just Jeff by himself coming out to Australia. Yeah, yeah. That was actually the Frank Turner tour, was the tour that I quit my full time job. Oh, really? And, like, kind of when we went for it I guess if you want to call it that where were you working so I like uh, like studied design Uh do a lot of the design for the band and all that sort of thing I was working for a company called Elwood which is like a clothing label fashion label yeah right I guess yeah like came up through design school and university and whatever and um uh, had like done a bunch of freelance design doing t-shirt prints and whatnot, yeah yeah, and I uh, finally got this full time job. it was a pretty sweet gig working for for this company. It was my first like full time job out of uni. It was really funny actually they like sponsored Dan Sultan and Alexander Gao, like the guy from right, like, yeah. Mercy and yeah, yeah. Um, they were very much about we're a music fashion label um, so when, when they knew that I was in a band that was like doing all right, they had to like be very respectful of that obviously and they were stoked like they were really really lovely but as the band started to tour more you could see like the bosses getting more and more pissed off and I was like taking phone calls at work and like going going like away for prolonged periods of time and all of that sort of shit eventually I pretty much got pulled into the office and got given an ultimatum like it's the band or the the job you know and you can't do both so pick one so like that and that was when we got off at the Frank Turner tour so it was like wow well, oh my god so I went back to working in a cafe for quite a while like a couple of years before yeah. like we started doing the band properly full time <laughs>
0: still that's a that's a big funny. moment isn't it
2: you yeah know? it was definitely a turning point yeah. in my life that's crossroads like, yeah yeah like oh I just studied for three years and like worked really hard to get a job and something, and now I'm just going to go and, you know, sling dishes and, like, make coffee. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, we're really lucky to get where we've got to. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. You can tell, like, maybe at the time you're just like, oh, have I done the right thing? Have I done the right thing? You know, just second-guessing yourself constantly. But I'm sure, like, every time you look out and you see those massive shows, you know, wherever in the world you, you guys might be, and just think... I fucking made
2: the right decision. You know. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It was never, to be honest, it was never in question. Like I, there wasn't even a second thought for me. It was yeah. just like, uh, I don't. This is what I want to do. This mm, is what mm. I've always wanted to do. Um, from like the age of fifteen or sixteen or whatever, mm. and uh, I'm just gonna do it. Like, and and also on the flip side, like while I really love doing graphic design work and, and still do, like, yeah, I absolutely fucking loathed sitting in front of a computer from 9 to 5 every sure, day. Yeah. It's horrible, so mm. um, yeah, like, it's something I learned about myself, I guess, so yeah. yeah, and then we just went for it and didn't look back. And here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Not playing to millions of people every night. Mm. On the European tour, we just did, we played to some very small crowds, so it's still fucking awesome. Mate.
0: It's all—it's all about the the quality, not the quantity. Very let's, true. let's remember
2: that. Very true. <laughs> Actually, that that just reminds me of—we played two shows in Sweden. And that, okay. It's first about... time, first time to Sweden. We played one in Stockholm and uh-huh. the other in Gothenburg. Oh, cool! Yeah, which are both beautiful cities, and yeah, Sweden's yeah. an amazing place. And this is like sort of a prime example of uh, the way crowds can work. I guess, like especially smaller crowds. Like mm. Stockholm had way like we didn't know what to to expect from either show first time in the country and Stockholm had way more people it was like you know I think there was like over 100 people which is awesome and the promoters were really stoked and it was great and everyone just kind of it was a great show and we were were pumped on it but everyone kind of just stood there and like you know nodded their heads and got into it and then Gothenburg the next night we were like okay there's no way that it's going to be as good as that like that was awesome for a first show and we got there and there was like half the people, maybe fifty at the most, mm. and they just went apeshit. Like tore the, tore the place apart. Like people, no kidding. yeah, people like crowd serving one dude. Like got uh, like like someone got kicked in the face oh. and his teeth were bleeding and stuff. Like it was uh, it was hectic. It was a quite a juxtaposition. Yeah, there. like. Were they just excited because you know there was a band playing, or like did they actually know you? No, style no, they like knew who we were, which wow. is amazing. Yeah, yeah, that it was must so be cool. incredible. Yeah, it was rad. It's
0: a, it's a, it's a like a cultural breakdown thing, you know. It's just like you can be anywhere in the world, and you know, as like as long as you're speaking the language of music, you know, you got people. Yeah, totally. <laughs> dude. Yeah, it
2: was amazing. Especially like I think the only time we played in Scandinavia before was like in Copenhagen twice. Yeah, right. And this was like a lot further north mm. than that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good times. Fucking
0: A, man. Yeah, totally. Let's tap into your younger self. Let's tap into sure. the teenage self. Uh, or even, even further back. Uh, when did music become a thing of interest to you? Was it something that uh, was always a part of your life? You know, family life, etc. Or, you know, did you kind of... Get involved at a later part of your life. Like, where do you?
2: Kind yeah, of come um, the it's a little bit of both, I guess. Like, my family isn't musical at all, right? Yeah, um, but there was always like, I guess my parents who were like rock lovers and gig, oh, sure, gig yeah. goers and stuff when they were young. Um, so they're definitely music fans, as most people are. And uh, I was like, my earliest memories are listening to like. Paul Kelly and uh, Queen and Genesis sure, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that uh, in on like uh, family drives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know holidays and in the car and stuff and uh, singing along to all of that sort of stuff oh, of and course yeah loving learning the words and you know belting it out with my brother and yeah and whatnot I suppose yeah from then on my brother was was the biggest influence um, he, he's four years older than I am um, uh-huh. Andrew I guess I just pretty much followed what he did so sure, you know, yeah. we moved to Gisborne in Victoria um, right. which is' where, where sort of where I did the most of my growing up when I was in like... Maybe like grade three or four or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was right when he started high school. So, like, you know, he started getting into to punk music through dudes he met at high school and was like, there's a lot of freezer shows on. Freezer isn't a nationwide thing, but they do like all ages and underage shows in Victoria. Okay. So, government run thing. And yeah. um, he used to go to heaps of freezer shows. And uh, like, the first memories I have of like punk music are like, he would go to see the living end or frenzel rom mm, mm. or those type of bands and he uh, yeah, actually came home with the frenzel rom i bought the t-shirt before i heard, heard the, the band I <laughs> and, love that uh, shirt. yeah it's like it was, it's probably still somewhere at home it's yeah. an absolute classic and, um, shout out to Jane Lindsay. yeah hi boys <laughs> it's so weird to know them now i know and, isn't like, it? Say, say this stuff yeah he was a huge influence on me and you know i was sort of pretty super jealous for a while cuz i i never got to go to Any of these shows, like, mum and dad were always like, no, you're too young, and and all this sort of stuff, and, yeah, when I, I still remember the first time that I heard, like, a live drum kit in a room, was, like, in our garage at that house, Yeah, and uh, my brother and some mates, he was probably in year, like, eight or nine or Mm -hmm. something, Mm -hmm. they had a jam in the, like, just like jamming covers or whatever in, in that garage and his friend Buffer who later robbed our house, which is what? a totally different story, <laughs> went down the wrong path, but uh, he was a drummer and like that was the first time I heard uh, like a, a live drum kit, wow. know, like up close and uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not at, uh, you know, a John Farnham concert or something. And was that uh, your first? That was my very first concert, Fuck, John Farnham, yes. yeah. <laughs> when I was about seven or eight I reckon. Um, do you remember who, who that was with or where it was it was with like mum and dad took me it would have been in Melbourne Rod Laver. Uh, yeah well I don't even know if Rod Laver was like around then or if it was called Rod Laver then yeah, or yeah, I'm not right. really sure we're talking like, tw- like over 20 years ago mm. shit that's kind of showing my age <laughs> so yeah like walking into that garage for the first time and like hearing like the kick drum in your yeah. in your chest and I was like fuck yeah, I'll, this is, I want to play drums. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, started drum like hassled mum and dad for a long time, started playing drums in the next couple of months, I guess.
0: Oh, sweet.
2: I don't know, it just kind of went from there a little bit, like continually following my brother's influence with punk music and I started to like delve a bit deeper and, you know, get into Dropkick Murphys, Bouncing Souls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blink-182, eighty two. into like uh, hot water music into a lot of the no idea bands and that sort of stuff Mm, mm, mm. Um, and then sort of started to branch out of mine and get into like heavier music or indie music or or whatever as I've sort of grown up yeah still like um, have a lot of love and respect for my brother to for like showing me that side of things because I definitely probably wouldn't potentially be sitting where I am today if that hadn't have happened so it's really really lovely actually cried at his uh, wedding when I said uh, said that
0: your brother's obviously seen you oh lots of times yeah Yeah.
2: he was at he was at the 170 Russell show the other day yeah um, yeah the first bands that I played with were with him and like yeah started out playing in shitty bands and the first time I played at the art house in Melbourne R.I.P. was with him wow Um, yeah yeah, so he's he's had huge involvement in uh, in my playing in bands and uh, he sort of dropped off uh, in his interest along the way but I kept going and playing drums and like I don't know, it's a weird one for me because I like, like I've been sort of pretty on and off with playing drums and like, like that. I'm not a hugely musical person and drums is the only instrument that I can really play. Yeah, right. To be brutally honest. I guess I I would have lessons in the beginning and then I'd stop lessons and like not worry about it anymore for a little while. And then I'd go back to lessons and sort of get interested again. Mm. And then went through the whole spate of playing in bands with my brother. I guess I had a lot of problems with my shoulder. Um, So I used to play a lot of basketball pretty seriously for for quite a long time while I was growing up. I dislocated my shoulder really, really badly. Not playing basketball for the first time, but playing mixed netball. No shit. (laughs) And then I dislocated it subsequently, playing basketball, and I've done it. I've probably dislocated my shoulder like 10, 15 times now. No shit. To the point where I've actually just rolled over in bed and it's popped out once before. So, like, it's pretty bad. I've had a couple of operations on it. That that stopped me from playing drums on and off for quite a a fair bit of time, I suppose. Maybe one of the reasons I met Will, because I was playing in a band called This War, who were, like, still good friends of ours and, like, a very early Poison City band. Okay. And I just, like, joined the band. They'd released the, the EP on Poison City and it was probably, like, the fifth Poison City release, maybe, or something. Yeah, no something shit. Something like that. And uh, so, like, really early days. I'd just joined the band after they'd released the EP, and we play, I played two shows of them. One was in Sydney, and one was at the Art House supporting the Gaslight Anthem. Oh, dude. On, the, on their first trip to Australia, which was awesome because I was a huge fan of yeah, Gaslight yeah, at the time. of course. And uh, it was right when the 59 sound had come out. When that, that show they did was really cool then I think I dislocated my shoulder at basketball the next day. So I was like, hey, like, hey dudes, hey, Carlo, can't play drums anymore. And uh, I guess it was through that that I met. I I already sort of knew Bosma, but became closer friends with Bosma, who is like now Smith Street manager or merch guy or whatever you want to call him. (laughs) And yeah, it was the weekend uh, probably after that that I saw Will play for the first time solo. Yeah. And met him. And then it was two weeks after that that I, I'd, I'd sort of given not given up, but I like it was in like one of my lull periods of playing drums at that point, like yeah, just yeah. didn't really care, I was just having a good time going to shows and whatever. Yeah. And I didn't really care if I was going to be in a band or not. Sure. And then got a text from Will after like hanging out with him and drinking beers at the weekend of that year. I think it was two thousand and nine. Uh huh. He said, "Do you want to have a jam?" And the first Street jam was like two weeks later in, in mine and Lee's lounge room
0: yeah, they got it. and
2: yeah the rest is history you know, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> it's such like a uh, that story has, anybody who's read an interview with us will mm. like, like ever will know that story because I've said it so many times but it's <laughs> so like kind of perfect and poetic but it's like long, yeah, totally. the f- well I think it was the second time I saw Will play solo and the first time we met and talked properly was like our future record labels yeah. festival. <laughs> like, yeah. It couldn't have happened any better.
0: Oh, fucking destiny, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> totally. So, yeah,
2: that was that. Yeah, there
0: you go. Mm. Tell us about the very first band. Take us all the way back. Oh, shit. Was the this very... with your brother?
2: Yeah. So, the very first band we played in, I feel like it was him and a high school friend. Actually, I'm going to go even further back than that. No, Ooh. I'm not. No, I'm not. I've, I had a high school band that was, like, just mates. Yeah. And we jammed in like, there was, there was like this weird room at high school, right. like a music room that was kind of just like a storage hole or something <laughs> okay. they had a drum kit set up yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we used to jam in there at lunchtime, they'd, they'd let us jam, and I think we played one lunchtime show at oh, school, so, like, like, like... Like covers did, and Yeah, shit? totally, like... What kind of stuff did like, you play? I think we would have done like Blink-182, we probably did like a, a Goldfinger cover or something, nice. like, you know pop-punk covers, Fuck, yeah. all, all punk stuff that, like, um, you know, hopefully kids from school would know or something. Yeah, yeah. Um there's probably, like, a Raging It's the Machine song in nice. there or something. <laughs> you, know, you know how it goes. But, yeah, my first proper band that that actually, like, played shows at pubs or whatever was with my brother and this dude we met, um, Chris, his name was, who was from Melton, and we lived in Gisborne at the time. Like right, yeah. Like, western suburbs of... Vic, Outer Western, represent. And I have no idea how we met Chris. Maybe my brother met him at shows or something.
0: Okay, yeah. And this
2: was still around the time where I was 16, I think. 15 okay. or 16. Yeah, right. So, like, it was it was the four... There was, there was another guy, Ollie, who later left the band, and for the most part, it was the three of us. And we... Yeah, just started playing shows at, at pubs and whatever. What was a p- it was called United Front. United, horrible Front, name. It sounds like a like a skinhead band or something, <laughs> but it, it was the opposite of that. It was like a real like uh, PC anti-flag oh, really?
0: kind of band. No um, shit, yeah,
2: yeah. Did you have a mohawk? I did have a mohawk yes. for a little while, oh, yeah, yeah. I could dig up some photos for the podcast on Facebook if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. had we'll that in the show notes
0: I, defi- sure.
2: I definitely cut a mohawk for like when I was in maybe year 11 or 12, so oh, like 16 yes. or 17. Big black one. Um, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cringeworthy yeah. to look back <laughs> on now.
0: So what was the first show that uh, the United Front played?
2: <laughs> Do you know what? I reckon we played in Geelong at like some...
0: Workers' Club?
2: Nah, it was at like some weird railway hotel or something in Geelong. And we played a show down there. That was my first ever experience of like a live show. Um, um, You know, playing to uh, an audience that wasn't just, like, school friends or whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, and then, yeah, we went on to play a few sh- a few shows. We played... You know, I think we played, like, Yaya's or whatever it was called then on, on Smith Street, and, uh, like, there was a bar called Soak on Smith Street, which is now... I have no idea what it's called now, but, you know, played a few little little bars along Smith and Brunswick Street. You know, played the Art House a couple of times and met some people then that, I still, that I'm still really close with, friends with now. Like, there was a band back then called the Arch Rivals that we played oh, yeah. a couple of shows with. And yeah. uh, Mike Hodson, uh, who was the guitarist in that band, is now a super close friend of of ours and he plays in Freakwave oh, and, sure, uh, yeah. and you know he played in Following C and yep. and those kind of bands um, so yeah still like like know a bunch of people that I met through those days yeah I guess that was my introduction to the art house as well playing there for the very first time. Oh, and wow was that daunting? Oh big time yeah, yeah. like yeah it was very very nerve wracking like stepping foot in that place for the first yeah, time let alone um, trying to play mm. um but yeah like uh it just kind of went from there and eventually like that band fell apart or whatever. We didn't really play that many shows. Yeah, and then yeah. I went and um I played drums in a in a band called The Go Set for a little while. Oh
0: no um, shit. For
2: yeah, a, yeah for only like they
0: still kick around a bit though. They, they still it? go
2: around and yeah like a Celtic punk band. Yeah. I was only in that band for like less than six months but that was my first first experience of touring interstate and overseas and stuff so right, yeah, wow. and that was still when I was like I was still 18 mm. when I was in that band I think crazy so pretty young and those guys were like a lot older yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of good and bad influences um, around that time was there was a lot of hazing and stuff like that um, picking on the new kid uh, no, nah, not so much not that I can remember it was just like uh, you know older dudes showing you the way to party and all of that sort of stuff and uh (laughs) getting loose and whatever yeah like I said it was a really short time and then uh, as I sort of said before I've been like pretty off and on with playing drums and playing in bands like did that for six months then stopped probably didn't play didn't do anything for quite a while and then um you know started playing in some bands with with friends and whatever and Mm. did a lot of stuff that never really like got off the ground played in a band for ages that like recorded a bunch of times and like but just never played a show just like really? just never got our shit together like maybe never had a singer or something and That's like so strange yeah like all that sort of stuff and, and that was that was all the period up until this war came along and I played those two shows dislocated my shoulder and like all of that shit happened oh so, man yeah it was a funny old time so like you have dudes who play in bands who are like oh yeah I like you know, I play guitar in this band now, but I've played in this band and this band and, like, all of these amazing bands. And, uh, you know, I've been doing it for years and, for me, it's not like that at yeah. all. Like, I was very much still learning how to play and stuff. I like, still am now, but, yeah. like, very much still learning how to play mm. when the early Smith Street shows were happening, like, yeah. big time. Didn't, didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were thrown in the deep end, like, pretty
0: early on. Like, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, like, doing, like, Big tours with uh, like touring
2: interstate state and going overseas and shit like at eighteen like that's yeah cool, well, that when I serious. say overseas it was only like we went to New Zealand once that's still, <laughs> so, that still counts <laughs> yeah it still if counts you go over a sea <laughs> <can't go overseas. laughs> totally um, yeah it what was, was great that like, like, uh, it was a was really it? good time yeah yeah like, yeah. Um, yeah like we didn't do an extensive amount of touring but maybe round Australia once and and, yeah. uh, and to to New Zealand so like just to have the little taste of like you know being in a different city and when we went to New Zealand for the first time which yeah I'm pretty sure I was 18 and yep. I had never been overseas at that point like oh, I, yeah sure like, that's that's the reason I got my passport was to go on that first tour yeah my first passport yeah, and yeah, um, yeah and you know pretty similar with going interstate like I, our family was one of those families that always went on on holidays but sort of had like one spot that we'd always go camping or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that wasn't too far away we weren't like we weren't a family that traveled like interstate to go on holidays or overseas to go on holidays yeah, it just sort yeah. of wasn't our thing like we'd, we'd instead we'd go like water skiing on the Murray River or something like that you know what I mean so yeah, sure. so like I'd never wasn't very well traveled and that was my first taste of going overseas and like you know being interstate on my own or, yeah. or whatever so um, like those experiences are pretty cool yeah um, and yeah, I, I remember coming to Sydney for the first time, and like, like being in Newtown for the first yeah, time, of and like course, yeah. experiencing that. And it's a really great area, and um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was a really really great experience. And um, sort of, I guess maybe that just gave me a little taste of it, yeah. and then yeah, obviously got to experience it way more when. Smith Street started throwing ourselves in, in the yeah. deep end. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. When you were having those first few jams and you were starting up with Smith yep. Street, did that kind of light the spark again to make you get involved in, in music again? Like worth the risk of, you know, putting your shoulder on the line Yeah, for it yeah.
2: Honestly it was like the first time I saw Will play. It was just like, whoa, you know, yeah, like, sure. this dude is incredible. Mm. Um, I remember it was at the Burmie. And I reckon I'd gone along with the guys from this ward, like the guys who had yeah, just right, started yeah, yeah, with, yeah, I'd gone along with them to hang out, because they were mates with Will. Yeah. And um, I saw him for the first time, it was just him solo, and I was like, fuck, this guy is amazing. Mm. And then, just by like pure coincidence and luck and whatever, I happened to be living with Lee, who's now the guitarist in Smith Street, but... Yeah. In the beginning, wasn't and it's it's a really convoluted and weird story. But um, me and Lee were living together. We both had started our own little record labels. Oh yeah. And mine was called Gormandize Records, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a a, um, it's the last word in CBGBs and OMFUG, which is other music for uplifting gormandizers. (laughs) And a gormandizer is someone who like voraciously consumes. Something That's like in, awesome. this, in this case music. So it was Gormandai's Records, and Lee was doing Corsican Records, mm-hmm. and I just released on the same night actually in Melbourne. I released the Anchors EP, a
0: melodic oh, hardcore
2: band um, from Melbourne, mm. and Lee's first release was the Will Wagner and Friends Us Boys Run. Uh, solo oh, wow. album, and yeah. so we were living together. We just both released these records on the same night. Yeah. So obviously, Will was uh, sorry. Lee was playing this album, Will's album that had just come out in the house so much, and I'd just seen Will for the first time, and you know, got obviously got a copy of it from from Lee, and yeah. just like fell in love with the songs and fell yeah. fell in love with with Will's songwriting, and was just absolutely like enamored by him. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, then, I guess, the, the story that I told before happened, which was, um, you know, it was, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was around 2009, and um, Lee and Fitzy both played in a band called the Hawaiian Islands at the time, oh, which sure. was yeah, like yeah. early early Poison City stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, that was my uh, hard art house hang time, you know, yeah. like, that was when I was living with Lee, and Fitzy was always around, and Steve, mm. who was the drummer of Hawaiian Islands, was... Yep was uh, the other guy that lived with me and Lee. Mm-hmm. We were in North Melbourne. We were, like, blocks away from the art house, and we used to party there all the time and go see shows there all the time, and that was the days of the, the early Poison City weekenders. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, enter Will Wagner, um, and, yeah, then that was the house we jammed at for the first time. Not with Lee. He wasn't in the band. That was mm-hmm. later on. I think that was the, the weekend of the next year, Will... Was playing, uh, Will Will and Bosmy used to live above the Burmee, which is the yeah, pub that I yeah, first yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Birmingham Hotel on Smith Street. That's kind of where the name comes from, I yeah. guess. And um, Will played footy, pub footy for the Burmee, and uh, broke his collarbone really, oh, really I badly. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it, the scar on his his shoulder is, is insane. It's so big and long. Um, he broke it really severely. And so that would have been. The Poison City Weekender 2010, I think. Well, maybe it was 2011. But that was the first time that Lee played with the band because we had The Weekender to play. Yeah. And it was like... The biggest show we'd ever done coming up. It's like, holy shit, we get to play Poison City Weekender. Like, at this point, we weren't on the label or whatever. Mm, mm. We'd just released the EP, Southeast Facing Wall. Yeah,
0: um, so it would have been 2010.
2: Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, we can't not play it. Like, we yeah. have to play. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So, uh, yeah. So, we, yeah, we asked Lee and said, can you play guitar and we'll just sing and uh that's what we did and, and and lee played for the first time and of course will played guitar anyway because he because he, he can't yeah, just sit still and, and keys yeah, yeah he can't just sit still and sing so yeah. of course he like took his sling off like an idiot and yeah. played anyway and, well, there's uh, a lot of gig injuries, yeah, injuries
0: I, in this band isn't oh, it? oh we
2: were like accident prone for a while you, yeah. haven't, you haven't even heard the story about my knee yet which is a oh, whole shit. next part but um, yeah so Lee just never left really like we played that show with him and maybe a couple of others and then I just sent him a text and was like hey dude do you just want to keep playing and and that was it so yeah and here we are (laughs) here we are yeah pretty
0: cool do you remember the first ever show that you played with, with Will slash mystery
2: yeah I think I'm pretty sure it was at the Tote oh cool I think it's a fun, it's a pretty funny story actually. There's a there's a friend of ours, Gaz Baker, uh-huh. who's a he's a funny guy and he's a sound engineer from Melbourne, and he plays in this kind of joke band. I hope he doesn't get offended by me saying joke band, but uh, called Kegan, okay. Um from Melbourne. They still play around a little bit, I think, and um, he called himself like they, they all their songs were about. Um, drinking some form of alcohol. So there was like, abs- Absinthe Makes the Heart Grow Fonder, um, Goon But Not Forgotten, uh, <laughs> classic titles. So, good. so our first show was supporting them maybe on like an EP release or something, and we were totally unprepared. It was probably like, like a week or two after our first jam. But because Will had already been playing solo and already had like a heap of the songs built up and etc., um it was pretty quick to learn the songs because you already had them there so it was just like okay we can we can blast through them we can play a bunch of the songs off the Will Wagner and Friends album yeah yeah and that's what we did and uh yeah that was kind of the start um yeah I I reckon that was the end of 2009 yeah yeah like, like September maybe early October wow man and um And then we would have gone to Sydney, like our first trip to Sydney. I think we played some shows with Step and Razor, maybe. Oh, shit. Up the coast. Um, We would have done that, like... Yeah, still in the end of 2009, I think. Maybe early 2010. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first show was definitely at the Tote. Yeah, then we just kind of went from there. It's all a bit blurry. I wish, like... I wish our MySpace page still existed oh God. <laughs> because we had, or maybe it still does exist, but there was definitely a list of shows on there that we lost yeah. and it was, it was, like our early list of shows that I, yeah, I have no idea <laughs> where they are or like what we did. Hazy days. Probably only 2011 when the album came out, No One Gets Lost came out until mm. we actually like started to tour a a bit more officially yeah. if that's what you want to call it sure, and yeah. uh, started to keep track of that sort of
0: stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah. obviously yeah you would have noticed a pretty traumatic shift over the years like uh, uh, I was uh, I talked about this with Will on the podcast like if you want to look at the trajectory of the band mm-hmm. you look at Weekend Posters yeah. You start down the very bottom with the tiny text, yeah, and then you Whereas move. Was Will
2: Wagner and yeah, the Smiths? Yeah, yeah,
0: cam. yeah, which was a Bruce Springsteen reference. Yeah, which totally. I've always got time for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and then you move up a couple of lines, and then a couple more, and then the yep. font gets bigger, and then you are the biggest font. You are you are yeah. the the main attraction. You know, yeah. like I, I can only imagine that's something that's not lost on you guys. You know,
2: not at all. Yeah, it's. Um Andy, actually, Andy from Poison City yeah. has all of those posters framed uh, along the wall of his office um, yeah. out the back of Poison City Yeah, yeah. I don't have them all, I wish I did but I, I really, really love going in there and looking at that, like it's yeah. yeah, we're really, really proud of that I'm not ashamed to say that at all you know, we just worked our asses off from like day one of this band and like, yeah, like I said, we pretty much went on tour, end of 2009 start of 2010 and like From then on, we played every show we could and kind of didn't stop to the point where like most people were saying, hey, you play too many shows, like you probably should like chill out a bit. And we were like, nah, it's all good. Like, we'll just keep going. Um, We never really pissed anyone off too badly by doing that. But um, yeah, I can remember when we played the Bomb the Music Industry shows in Melbourne for that tour in 2012, start of 2012. We did, like, the Luca Brasi. I don't know if it was a, an, an EP launch or anything for them or mm. any release, but we did a couple of their shows um, in Melbourne, supported them, and it was, like, yeah. a week before. And I was like, oh, we probably shouldn't have done this. Like, yes. you know, we've got these... Our, like, next proper tour is next week in yeah. Melbourne. It's probably <laughs> not a good vibe. But, uh, yeah, we just we just kept going. And uh, I suppose uh, to have a record label like Poison City support you... Um, in that way is is like it's something to cherish and um, you know my friendship personally with Andy has developed so strongly over yeah, those years because I guess myself and Bosma have always been the sort of managers of the band for want of a better term from yeah, the, from yeah. the very beginning I think it was like pretty early on that I sort of realized hey this band could actually do well if we work hard at it yeah yeah and so I just sort of with Bosma we just sort of took on that role of like we're gonna like sort, sort shit out we're gonna yeah. do this that should and, um, be the album credits drums, backing vocals emails <laughs> yeah yeah awesome at <laughs> um, but yeah to have like that support from Andy and you know his sort of motto uh, if you want unofficially was uh, like you know if a band wants to work hard if a band that I release music for wants to work hard and tour yeah. and, you know, put effort in, then he's going to reciprocate that effort. Yeah. And he still does that today. So yeah. perhaps that's a, a, a credit to why our name has grown on the, the poster yeah. and, and whatever. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really, not, really... Not lucky. just on
0: that poster, on a lot of bloody posters. <laughs> yeah, I guess bro. a
2: lot of posters. But, yeah. uh, to be brutally honest, we right before Sunshine came out, we had sort of a dilemma where... We had a uh, we were being courted, if you will, by by record labels. Ah, uh, like, yes. That, it was that whole period where there was there was literally like I think four re- bigger record labels that were like, oh, yeah. "We want to, to sign you. We want to do like proper contracts, and we want to release the next album." Yeah, like Sunshine, what it turned out as. And yeah, I still remember like we went through this this whole like we were going to do it. We were, there was one that we were going to go for, and like. Um, and we, we were sort of into the idea and then, and what they were offering, and then we were like, oh no, that's a terrible idea. We can release it ourselves. We we don't need anyone's help. Let's just do it ourselves. Like, yeah. not do it on Poison City. We're going to, like, we, we watch, like, this, like, Ian Mackay speak oh, on, of on course, YouTube. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all the <it> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It? yeah. And, like, him talking about, uh, you know, hand cutting his own records himself for, like, early yeah, yeah. Fugazi stuff. And, um, and all that sort of stuff. So um, we, we went down that train of thought and then finally we came back to like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, let's do it with Poison City because it's like perfect. Yeah. And, and uh, so we, I still remember we we went to the Labour in Vain, which was a pub in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And we said to Andy, it's on Brunswick Street. And we said to Andy, like, we'll meet you there. Um, you know, let's talk about the album, yeah. the next album, go through it all. And he was like, could see in his face when we said we're going to do it on poison city like he was he was so ready to be told like because he knew everything that was going on and he was he was so ready to be told they're not going to release the album on poison city they're going to do it with a different record label yeah and then i think that was a real catalyst for him to be like okay like they could have done something else they could have gone with someone else but they've like stayed loyal to me or whatever I think he really respected that and yeah, yeah. so the amount of effort that he put in with Sunshine just like skyrocketed you know yeah. like we're really really stoked with with the way that all happened and sort of just uh went from there yeah right? you know and um to it's, the, it's to the point home, where you know it's, a, it's, a our, it's our home now yeah. to the point where the family has expanded and back in that in those days it was just Andy doing everything himself and yeah, yeah, then yeah. Now he's got a like team of three people that, yeah. that work at Poison City. Shout out to and Tomo. Yeah, Aza and Tomo, Aaron and Sarah. And it's it's so cool, you know? Like, it's it's so awesome to watch it grow and, like, build into something that, like... Especially with, you know, you talk about the... the like, our name going up on the, yeah, the yeah, post yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just that. It's like, there are other bands, Australian bands, that have done similar things. Yeah, but, of al- but also, like, the caliber of international bands that 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 are on each of those posters yeah, building course, and also yeah. the venues yeah. building. Like, you know, pretty it was pretty wild. Like I still remember when we played the corner for the first time yeah. with Joyce Manor and Cheap Girls. Yes.
0: The night Abbott got
2: elected. The night Abbott got elected. Let's try and not dwell on that one too much. Yeah. But it does mean it's the two year anniversary so we've only got one year to go. Yeah, I still remember like that being at the corner and me and Andy talking about that and how that was a huge thing for yeah. like yeah, the yeah, weekend and then this year, it was like, the corner was the second, smallest, uh, second biggest show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the 170 Russell show was the biggest one. And biggest it like, ever. Biggest yeah, biggest ever. So, ever. And like, you know, I think there was seven shows across the weekend this time. And I can still remember Andy freaking about having two shows on one night yeah. um, a couple of years ago. It was like, will this actually work? So, you know, it's for it to grow like that and us to be such a big part of it is... Yeah just something that I'm super, super proud of and, like, I think everything that they stand for and, and promote um, in their morals and ideals is is really, really solid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I've learnt so much in in terms of taste in music but also, you know, um, in terms of how to run a small business, if that makes sense. Yeah, and of like, course. Which, which I guess a band is as well, if you want to look at it that way. But And in, in terms of how to, like, put on shows and, like learned so many things from Andy I can still remember actually going in I mentioned before that I released that Anchors EP yeah yeah and I didn't know Andy very well if at all then sure and I can still remember going in to Poison City for the first time with like a handful of those CDs like probably took him like 30 yeah was like you know trying to get him to take him on consignment and asking him if he would, like, give me his list of record stores that he distributed to so I could send them to them. <laughs> and if that, like, pissed him off, he's like, I'm not going to give you my list of record stores, you know? That's that's my list, that I do distribution, so yeah. you can't have them. You know, it's just uh, it's funny to think back. Yeah, I think he took two copies on consignment, and I took the other 28 home with me. Oh, um, no. <laughs> You know, it was whatever. Like, yeah. it's, um, it just shows, I guess, how much I've learned from from him and, yeah. uh, you know, the Poison City family and the Death in the Family yeah. family <laughs> 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 over over those years and yeah. um, how, how much that community of music has taught me. I, I owe a lot to that and definitely... Wouldn't be uh, here where I am without those people. So. It's a beautiful fucking sentiment, now. <laughs> it's really cool, isn't yeah, it? it? Yeah, it's the
0: best. Yeah, they're great people. Fucking a. All right, so we'll wrap up here, but before we do that, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you know what's coming. I asked this of all of my guests, and now Actually, it is I don't know if offensive. I do. <laughs> well. I guess now's the time to find out. Mm-hmm. I want to know about your best and worst gig experiences as a performer. Okay. Better. Yep. Feel free to start on either or floor is
2: yours sure okay um i've got two that spring very very strongly to mind and they're both pretty funny stories all right um, here we go actually no one's funny one's one's just kind of um really heartwarming yeah we've played a lot of big gigs i guess festivals and yep. stuff and yep. um i'm just going to quickly touch on two of them which was meredith in, um playing meredith music music festival yeah, early yeah. in 2013 was was a huge um honor and um, that was coming home from one of our first overseas trips, so sure, it just yeah. felt really special. And the other one is playing Splendor in the Grass, which we just yeah. did, which was just, um, you know, yeah, mind blowing. It was amazing. Yeah. Especially we, the banner
0: like, reveal, like,
2: that was huge. Yeah, I mean, to, to, like, that was Will's idea, and to, like, have that come off and all we'll work was, we were just really, really, really stoked on it. And, um, you know, that's the biggest show we've ever played. So, yeah. um, to to do that was just. A tr- truly a dream come true yeah. but the the one that sticks in my mind always that I remember as probably one of my favorite and best gigs the very very first show we played in Europe which was in London and uh, we were supporting Apologies I Have None um, oh, a yeah. band, band from London who are super good friends of ours we were touring mainland Europe with them but there was the one London show at the start and it was like it was right when their album came out which is called London and they were doing really really well it sold out on pre-sales it was like a 250 capacity room or something and one of our first or our early times going overseas and um one of our you yeah, well, our very first European shows so we were super excited about it and just had zero expectation like we had no idea what to expect yeah yeah um I didn't know didn't expect anyone to know the band there or whatever and yeah, obviously, but with it being sold out, we thought, apologies, I have none, hugely popular band. There'll be, a, you know, it's going to be an awesome show. There's going to be a lot of people watching us. Yeah. First time there, that's awesome. And then people will go mental for apologies. And uh, we rolled in and started playing, and it was almost the whole room were like singing along and crowd surfing and like knew all of the words to our songs holy shit I've never been more blown away by like by a crowd's reaction than I was that one like it was just it was just like so unexpected and I I didn't think anybody would know who we were and to to have that like have like you know Will like standing back from the mic and people singing singing the words and like the crowd taking over and like stuff like that it was just just phenomenal like um such a special feeling and i'll yeah never ever forget that one and then the bad one this is just this i'm sure there's been a lot of bad gigs and a lot of like played too drunk played sloppy like you know all of that sort of stuff but the the best one that i can remember was um just uh at the start of this year actually we we toured the uk we did a co-headline tour with narwolves
0: oh cool yeah from the
2: uk in in may And uh, we played in Manchester, and we were kind of, yeah, it was co-headline, so we were like swapping out who would play last each night, and the Manchester show was our turn to play last. And the band that opened, um, actually, a a guy who features in this story was um, Patrick from Self-Defense Family, who was was just here in Australia for Weekender, and it was his other band, Drug Church, that he sings for, who were were opening all of those shows. And himself and one of the other guys in the band are Straight Edge. Right, and so we were upstairs in the band room talking to them. And me and Lee and Fitzy were, who are who all, like, Will doesn't really drink, but we're all well, these days. So yeah. me and Lee and Fitzy are all kind of the drinkers in the band. Yeah. The two dudes, the two straight-edge dudes um, from from Drug Church were asking us uh, why, like, how, how do we balance, like, how much we drink? And how many beers do we have before a show and whatever? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were like, oh, dude, we've got it, like, down to a fine art, you know? Like, we just have a couple of beers to get get ourselves relaxed, but we never we never go over the, overboard <laughs> or whatever. Words. And it exactly was Famous Last Words. And then we all walked on stage, realised how drunk we were, and, like, Lee um, was sort of swaying. He was that, that drunk. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was probably... The worst show I've played on drums in, uh, like, years. Oh, my God. And uh, dropped, dropped like, three sticks and, like, <laughs> just made so many mistakes. <laughs> and it was, like, really, really embarrassing and, uh, and and horrible. And the best part about it was um, it was quite a high stage. It was probably, like, you know, maybe oh, no. maybe four or five foot high or something. So, like, yeah. reasonable. And Fitzy, in his, like, slightly drunken state... Uh, he went. To, I think he got like his feet caught up in his bass cable, uh-huh. and like went to flick it out of his way, and like did a big step backwards, and his foot just stepped off the edge of the stage, oh. and uh, he he went down like a sack of spuds. Oh
0: no! And, um,
2: I think it was during like "Don't Fuck with Our Dreams," and it was like coming into the quiet part, and um, <laughs> I still remember looking, and it was just like. I didn't see it happen, but it was just like all of a sudden he just wasn't there, and I just could, I just I just couldn't just couldn't see him. And like even the, the amps were like obviously in front of me, and I just he just was gone. And uh, Jesus, then all of a sudden saw like a bass guitar get like slammed onto the stage, but he was really really pissed, oh. and uh, he had to take his his bass off, stop playing, clamber back on stage, like obviously really embarrassed. And uh, yeah, then pick up and continue. Yes. And it, obviously, it was in the quieter part of the song. Yeah, that's probably the the worst gig that springs to mind. Yeah, that that one will always stick in my memory. I can
0: imagine. That's yeah. amazing. and uh,
2: yeah, everyone like got a good laugh out of it. Yeah. Except Fitzy, that oh, no, of had, course. Um, but he can laugh about it now, which <laughs> I guess is a good thing. hopefully, he was, he was pretty pissed off at the time, and me and Lee. Uh, me and actually for like the rest of the set which was probably I guess Don't Fuck with our Dreams was probably halfway through yeah 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 but for the rest of the set me and Lee couldn't look at each other because we we couldn't we we couldn't look at each other without laughing so we just couldn't look at each other holy shit it was uh, it was absolutely hilarious that's fucking amazing Um, yeah so good good times good times two UK stories oh beautiful London and Manchester so yeah it's the good the good and the bad side I
0: love it yeah Okay, so Smiths have released two 7-inches this year. One is Wipe That Shit-Eating Grin Off Your Punchable Face. And the Mm -hmm. second is I Scam Myself Sometimes, featuring the vocals of the inimitable Miss Lucy Wilson. You can pick up both of those, I believe, still at uh, Poison City Records. And uh, you've also put together a little uh, tour for the end of the year with uh, The Hotelier.
2: Yeah, really Um, exciting. Oh, first I should say punchable face totally sold out oh, can't, can't get that anymore yeah, alright well uh, go
0: to ebay.com yeah, mm, yeah, or... yeah. please don't spend any money on, on
2: <laughs> ebay <laughs> um, uh, yeah the hotelier tour is um, is uh, hotelier in series um, yeah. that's something that myself and Bosma um, have put together that's
0: through um, uh, jackknife
2: through, yeah. yeah jackknife is I guess what we call ourselves I suppose yep. um, and it's something we're really really excited about um, it's our first foray into doing it, into bringing out an international band yep. uh, to, that's not with Smith Street Yeah, it's not supporting Smith Street bands so obviously we've been doing it for quite a few years sure, yep. but it's always been Smith Street tours yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, this is the first um, little uh, dip the toes in the water of, of doing it aside from that yep. which is really really exciting for us and mm-hmm. um, Hotelia and Series are uh, legitimately two of my favourite bands um, I can't Love either of them uh, more than I do. I don't think so. Yeah, the the album that Hotelier released last year. Um, yeah. Home like no place is there. Yes. I keep calling it home like no place there is, and uh, Christian from the band keeps uh, keeps correcting me. So I got it right this time. That album is just absolutely phenomenal. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's one awesome. of the best sort of emo folk punk, you know, really yeah. lyrically driven. Whatever you want to call it, it's one it's it's one of the best albums I've heard of that um, ilk in sure. in a really long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we met those dudes in. Uh, just after that Narwhalves tour I was just talking about actually we we did this uh, like touring festival thing in Germany um, called Pirate Satellite which was like seven shows in May Mm -hmm. and we met those dudes on that tour and um, got talking to them about how they wanted to come to Australia and all of that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so we, we made it happen for them which is um you know they're super nice dudes and we got along really well yeah, so yeah. um yeah really excited to do it and Absolutely. yeah series are some of my best bros yeah I, awesome. really really good friends with those dudes and and love i know tom listens to the show me. so shout out hello gorgeous hey baby <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're one of my favorite bands uh from melbourne and the uh the stuff they've released over the last couple of years uh, the album and the Luck ep uh is just yeah so catchy just and they're awesome. such a good live band i'm really 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 excited that they said yes to, to doing doing the tour and yeah. they're really excited i think it's going to go really well so a. jackknife.com.au to buy tickets get and check the, all the goddamn details goddamn out
0: tickets people yeah. chris thank you so much for this man thanks, this is
2: thanks for having me on man i'm Abs- honored to be a part of it
0: Fucking a man wonderful have here. I'm David Jamchung, and all my friends... Are- This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.